They pitch a hole in it and they drink some up and they tie them on and that's what it's all about. Um, they just make do with what they got. Uh, there was a little kid uh, for, for playing. Uh, they had a two-liter bottle that had flattened out and they would hook a rope to the dog and the little girl would get on the, the bottle and hold the bag, uh, hold the rope, and the boy would take a take something and lure the dog. The dog would take off running and shake his head. The little girl would scream and laugh riding that flattened out two-liter bottle. But I don't understand in the U.S. why uh, all these people have these youngers knowing they're going to have to live off the welfare. Now you know that's exactly why they have. That's exactly why where they get money. The more they have, the more money they get. Right. And it's, it's getting terrible. That's exactly right. They get so much a child. Yeah. Um, so. They get a lot of dope sold pretty soon because they got that other stimulus check. Well, we will see. We will see. Um, any other praises and prayer requests the society we live in today is upside down so you know that's just the way it is uh, and it's going to get worse before it gets better I don't know if it's going to get any better well yeah there's, there's, a, there's still a lot of people who uh, uh, but the young people don't have the they don't give their respect or care about their respect to themselves anymore well that's, that's true mean, it's really it's really appropriate Yes, it is. It, it truly is. Um, they've been, for lack of a better term, they've been indoctrinated. And that's our fault. That's our fault. Uh, we, let the, we let the far left take over the institutions of learning. And we're reaping the benefits of 30, 40 years of that. Uh, and uh, that was a mistake. Uh, it'll take another 30 or 40 years to correct that. Uh, or... It'll, it'll take it'll take some harsh lessons to be learned uh, you know uh, there's all kind of things out there you know that there's uh, you know we people my age and, and, and a little bit more senior than me you know uh, and a little younger uh, some that are younger than me um, <laughs> we uh that's Jesus, you, you know, you got a job. You, you went to. You got up and you went to work. And as long as you weren't, as long as you weren't running a fever, throwing up, or, or, or whatever, you, you got up and you went to work. Yeah, you're gonna be sore. You know, you're gonna do this. You got up and you went to work. You, you know, you didn't lay out of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're glad to have a job. The man hired you to do a job. You know, uh, I had a guy told me when I I was a. Uh, uh, manager at McDonald Brothers, he said, "Why are you sweeping the floor out here in this warehouse?" I said the owner of the company to ask me to sweep the floor. He said, "But you're a supervisor." I said, "My money gets paid the same whether I'm sweeping this floor or sitting in that office over there." I said, "He asked me to do it, and I'm doing it." Why? He signs my paycheck. <laughs> That's a good enough reason, you know. And the floor needs sweeping. Yeah. That's and you do it, and yeah, and um, it's yeah. You know, you just have to do the things that um, lead the rest of the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still working. I'm 71. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy working. There's nothing wrong with working. I work for 71. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm not working a, a full-time job, but take down a tree and cut it up, move it around, the old bones feel it. Yeah. Um, you want to dig a ditch? Huh? <laughs> Brian said, I'm you listening. want to dig a ditch? <laughs> yes. Uh-uh. The answer would be yes. I'm not too good at it, though. Yeah. Anymore, but... Do what? I'm doing a My dad started me. When I started working out, my dad started me out with a shovel and a pair of post hole diggers. And, and, and I found out fast that there was more to life than that. You know, and, and there's t- certain times of the year, there ain't enough dirt to fill the hole back up. <laughs> and then there's other times of the year where you got more dirt than you'll ever need. Come out of the same hole, you know, so it multiplied overnight. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a tale for another time. Um, let's open in prayer and, and we'll get started with our Bible study. Uh, most glorious Lord God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you to bless our time together. Lord, we ask you to be with those on the prayer list. Uh, you know the concerns. Uh, you know their needs. And Lord, we just trust you and your provision to a. Uh, Uh, to apply their needs and their concerns and supply their salvation, Lord, as you see fit. We love you. We know that you're in control. Lord, we ask you to guide our time here so that all we do here will be pleasing to you. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in chapter 8 of Matthew. And... uh, we're going to back up a little bit and hit what we hit last week just a little bit. I see, yay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then we will go on. Uh, in fact, uh, since my, my partner here is saying yay, go ahead, brother. Well, I, I uh, don't want to. No, you're good. I'm sure you're going to jump in on some of these things mm-hmm. I found recently that I didn't know existed. But, you know, we're, we're in... Matthew 8, we've just exited or left the Sermon on the Mount, but we're still in a section called the Ethics of the Kingdom. The Ethics of the Kingdom are now, as I said, I think I mentioned last time, Jesus is going to show the disciples how to do it. I said a little differently. Jesus is going to say what he's doing, and then he's going to do it. Hearing is not just listening to something, it's to hear it and do it. Jesus is doing it, and now He's going to teach. When we come up on chapter 10, the disciples are going to do the same thing you hear in here. Healing, and throwing out demons, and preaching. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that that was where this was going. So that's the overview of the whole thing. The historical cultural content of this we we sort of like take a literary context and a historical context sometimes um, there were high eschatological expectations and the disciples were probably affected the greatest some things were going to be futuristic in this but Jesus is, is laying out things that are sickness, sickness, sickness. And if we look at this, um, 
The first one was a leper, right? Mm-hmm. When we stop and look at the leper, the centurion, which Jerry talked about last time, and then um, the third one was Peter's house, and we sort of end with the demons. Mm-hmm. These are the stages Jesus' whole ministry is about. He's going to the house of Israel and taking the sickness, the leprosy, out of the Jewish people, number one. Second, he goes to the Gentiles, the centurions. The whole ministry is going to flow through Peter to the Gen- and Paul to the Gentiles, in a sense. The third one is he enters the house of Israel and pulls back the Jews when the time will come. This is futuristic now. We're talking about the future. And this is a viewpoint of a guy, I can't say his name really too well. Um, but he, he proposed that then the, the last one was the millennial reign when all the demonic stuff was removed from earth. So this is kind of just a quick snapshot of eight. He's laying out his entire ministry worldwide for all time. And it's, it's kind of unusual viewpoint. But so then that's kind of the total overview. And Luke, Luke adds some things into our story tonight. Well, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to back up again. Uh, yes. All right. So we know that Jesus healed the leper. The leper was the first healed since Naaman uh, back in 2 Kings. All right. Leprosy is a picture of salvation. We are sick. Now, if you know what leprosy is and how it works, it would take 20 to 30 years for that disease to kill a person. And it was so unclean. There was only one other unclean act worse than leprosy as far as the Israelites were concerned, and that was touching a dead body. This was how, how bad it was. They, they, if you were to go and, and run into a leper, Imagine this. Listen to this. You had to be six feet away from them. It's amazing, isn't it? Six feet. If the wind was blowing, you had to be 150 feet. <laughs> you know, and so uh, they were they were cast out. In fact, rabbis and priests would brag about throwing rocks at lepers. That's how separated they were. And it would start out probably by them losing the feelings in their digits. And then that digit would become ulcerated and then it would fall off and it would spread. And so it was a slow, painful death. And the, 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 the rabbis and the Sadducees and the Pharisees would look at these people as being under a severe judgment from God because they have this disease. And that went on into the Middle Ages the same way. Um, and, and he healed him. And he did the one thing on the leper that was unheard of. He touched him. So he healed him by touch, and yet he did not receive the disease. The second one is he, he heals the centurion's servant. And he makes a statement there that there's no greater faith because this centurion understood what authority was. 
He understood God's authority in this man. And he said that he was not worthy enough for Jesus to come to his house. Because Jesus was going to go to his house. And I'm not worthy. He said, I know that you're a man of authority. And you can speak it and it'll be done. He says, I can tell one to go and he goes and one to come and he comes. I know that if you speak it, my servant will be healed. And he did. And then we get the next one in line is Peter's mother-in-law. Now she had to have been a great woman for the mother-in-law to live in the son-in-law's house. Not only that, it tells us that Peter was married. Which he was the first pope of the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church forbid weddings. They forbid their priests from being married. You know, and I'm not going to chase that rabbit because there's a lot of things on there. So, alright, so he was definitely married. We find that out here. But there's, a, there's an example here, and I'm going to read it. It says, Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. What a picture of what we're to do once we're healed by Jesus. Once we're saved by Jesus, we arise and serve Him. That's what she did. That's what she did. And so it was a gentle touch. And she was healed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then the next it says, you know, there were many healed that evening. They started bringing the sick people from miles around. And it says he cast out demons and he cast out, uh, he healed all manners of infirmities and diseases. And it says so that the, the uh, scripture might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He did that. And so we have no idea here also, we have no idea of the pain, the suffering that he took upon himself humanly for our salvation. And then the cost of discipleship. Before we get to that. Go ahead, go ahead, back up. I want to jump into... Go ahead. Um, you, you covered it very well on, on Peter's house. Interestingly enough, Jesus enters a house. You know, the two before this, he was not in a house. This emulates he enters, could be a number of things, temple, he enters the house of one's heart. So listen to this, it's a mother-in-law. In, in this presentation, in the Lucan part of it, it says she was taken with a great fever. Was taken in the Greek meant that it was a chronic state. In other words, it was a it had been going on for a long time in Peter's mother-in-law. And when he touched it, it was gone instantly. The whole thing was gone. And she got up and entered service. That is the word, service, that is the root word for deacon. 
And it's the verb form of it when you execute the command of another uh, kind of it's, it's service. Mm-hmm. You're, you're told to do something and you follow those instructions. In, in this verb form, it essentially is to raise the dust by hastening in the interpretation of it. The word in connection with Christ and the Gospels is considered very strange. It's not used very often. It's very strange in the Gospels. It, it to them, is out of place. However, whenever ministry is spoken of in terms of this strange arrangement, it's only spoken in terms of angels and women. Only. Never is it ever used for men. This was a special ministry that Jesus was instituting here for Peter's mother-in-law. This was special. This was something he was introducing and also is used in Martha in her story. It's interesting because the global Mathenian fulfillment of this is exactly Isaiah 53.4. He bore all our infirmities. And uh, the first miracle related to the leper here paralleled Naaman. But it also parallels in this position with the woman, the widow Zarephath. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Yeah. The, when, when Elisha entered the house of, mm-hmm. here he's entering the house of, of, this, of Peter. And now, as you said, the demons came in. It was evening when the demons came in. It was dark outside. Mm-hmm. That's when the demons came in. Mm-hmm. And they brought them to him. All of those possessed by demons mm-hmm. in the even or evening. And, and so in the corridors of the house, this house, he was cleaning the entire house. Remember the story yeah. where he says, help me out here. I think this is where he says you must bind the strong man right. and throw him out. And that's what he's doing here. All of these things kind of pull together in the same concept. He is taking back this world which he made in one single house. It's a poignant moment, but it's, it's all there and the demons are fleeing. And they can't figure it out. No, and and you, you know, he did all that, and and he fulfilled the scripture. And it said the cost of discipleship. So uh, they said, and when Jesus, it said when Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Uh, Then a certain scribe came to him, um, teacher. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Um, the other, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury 
their own dead. And from what I've read and, 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 and deduced, uh, the first guy came just entirely too quick. He was a scribe. He thought that and perceived that, and, and this is not. This is, this is something that's in some commentaries and some folks have wrote about. This scribe probably thought that because all of the disciples that were real close to him were fishermen and were illiterate that he could make a place for himself and be a big leader in amongst them because he was educated. All right. And then others say that he was just trying to, to follow Jesus at the time. But he came too quick. He was ready to go too fast. He didn't understand the cost that it was going to take to follow Jesus. And then you have the other one, which is, you know, he, he said, let me go and bury my father. Well, that was going to take a while. He didn't say his father was sickly and fixing to die. His father was probably well. And he wanted to go stay and help his father until his father passed away. And then he was going to follow Jesus. So one came too quick. One was coming too slow. And, and you know, when Jesus told him, he said, let the dead bury the dead. We read that and we think that's a terrible thing to say. But he was, he was telling him, if you're truly saved and you're truly my disciple, follow me. Follow me. The dead will bury the dead because if you are, uh, that seems like it was a, uh, something that people would do. You know, they're going to take care of it. If he, if he dies, family is going to take care of that. And so he was telling them, you know, come follow me. Follow me. I'm the most important thing. I'm not telling you to, to disrespect your dad, but if you're going to follow me, you need to follow me. Don't put your dad or your family statue ahead of me. I'm your Lord. And, uh, and so... Uh, and then... They get in the boat. Go ahead. Let me add to this cost of following. The cost of following uh, got to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I happened to bump into someone who said, basically, if this person meant that he was going to bury the dead, and Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, this was an out out, out of the normal Jewish tradition and rituals. The it was a matter of respect and dignity to bury the dead. And if Jesus is saying this, and it is true that this guy needs to do this, then his saying becomes a harsh saying. It becomes, uh, it says, did Jesus deliberately shock this potential disciple into considering, like you said, what is the priorities in your life here? Or or was he was he uh, additionally stressing that the kingdom center ministry and identity entitled him to a sovereign autonomy uh, above and beyond the Torah and the traditions? Is it Jesus saying that? Or number two, did Jesus simply provoke the potential inquirer to a symbolic action and and uh, instruct uh, to boycott all mourning and anything to do with dead, you know, basically coming um, because of the coming disaster of Judah and Jerusalem anyway, is in other words, in another way of saying it, is Jesus saying, I'm shifting the paradigm here 
And there's some there's some uh, particular uh, scriptures for this: Jeremiah sixteen five and five to nine, uh, and Ezekiel twenty four sixteen to twenty four. Um, those where the um, Ezekiel became a sign of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by not mourning the death of his wife. There's a couple of those uh, deviations, if you will, from from the normal honoring your father mm-hmm. and your family and and burying the dead. Or was it the third one, the last one? And it seems to be that Jesus was putting a new light on this. Like you say, he may have had an excuse. The other guy had an excuse. Right. So he may have been entering into a paradigm shift here. Keep your priorities with God first, and these other things will take care of themselves. Jesus was a high priest, right? Or was he? Was he a Nazarite? Or was he? Neither one of those positions could you touch the dead. Was that an excuse? No, I don't think so. That one was pretty readily thrown aside. But all of these factors come into play as you see what is going on with this harsh saying, Mm -hmm. let the dead bury the dead. The answer is the scholars don't know. This is a hard one. The Bible doesn't really come out and explain it well enough for them to have a definitive answer for this. So those are those are some, just some thoughts surrounding this. So it's more likely that he wouldn't have gone against his own teachings with this kind of a harsh saying. So so when people would come up and challenge you, well, look what he did. You can say, well, wait a minute. You know that can have a lot of facets. Mm-hmm. And there's precedent in the Bible for some of these things to be having a different priority, and we got to sort those things out. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the last piece I had on that before that's we it. go to the next. Yeah, the next one is, uh, you know, they get in the boat, and they're going to, let me see if I can muck this up, Grenessis, uh, uh, across the water. And... Jesus has healed healed a lot of people. He has talked a lot. He's done a lot. He gets in the boat. These fishermen know the the way the lake is. They take off. Jesus goes to sleep. <laughs> He's tired. He goes to sleep. They get out there, and all of a sudden, it says it says that the waves were overtaking them. I think that's what the word says. It said. Um, now a good way off from from them was a. Uh, uh, well, I went too far. All right. Um, it says the wind. It said now uh, when he was into the boat with his disciples that followed him, and assuredly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. And then the disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, Uh, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and then there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? 
Now, some folks have said that they thought that this tempest that happened might have been satanic in nature because it says the waves were overtaking them, which means there was a great sea. They were in the boat, and if you've ever been deep sea fishing or whatever, uh, and it's rough, uh, I went out when it was uh, 6 to 12 foot seas uh, fishing, and we caught fish, but you would go down in the swell, and all you look up is you see water, and then the next thing you know, you're on top of the wave, and all you see is the top of water. And then back down you go, you're up and down, you know. So, But the waves weren't wouldn't breaking over us. And so here the waves are broken, breaking over them because they said the you know the connotation is is the boat's filling up with water. These guys are fishermen; they know what's happening and they're scared, you know. And Jesus says, first thing he does is he addresses the fears of his disciples. Oh, ye of little faith! And then he didn't just say be calm; he rebuked the wind and he rebuked the sea. Why would he rebuke them? Because he was sending a message to the person who was causing that storm. And, uh, and so we go on and they make landfall. And when they make landfall, uh, there's a lot in these last verses uh, about what's happening and why what happened and and I have some I have some statements on that too so uh, you you want to you know I just uh, cover a little bit of this um, actually uh, this is my favorite story I'm a, you know that yes I, uh, I I take it out of Mark though because Mark yeah. has a little different saying on yeah. when the when the and you you said when the storm had stopped they asked who is this and in, in yeah. Mark's position he says to his disciples why are you so afraid they were afraid they were terrified and asked each other who is this they were terrified of Jesus right before this is the mustard seed story in Mark so the small piece of faith now hang on to this Hang on to this mustard seed, if you will, yeah. because we're going there. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly right. To back up a little bit onto that, uh, you know, they were terrified. They were terrified, and he's asleep. They see the they see the war out, mentally drained humanity of Jesus sleeping. They wake him up. And he asked them why they had a little faith. And then they see the divine attributes of him when he rebukes the wind and the wave. Uh, you know, it goes from, from humanity to God. God to humanity. And then they, they land. And, and I'm going to read this and then we'll get into it. Uh, there's a lot here. It says, it says, when he had come to the other side, uh, to the country of the... Uh, Gregonese, uh, I think that's right. Uh, I practice it for an hour and I still can't get it right. Uh, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? 
have you come here to torment us before the time? Uh, now a good way off from them was a herd of many uh, swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So they, so when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd uh, of swine ran violently down the steep uh, place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled and they went into the city and went away into the city, told everything, including what happened to the demon possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. There there has got to be something with this fear. Jesus in the storm. The storm represents chaos anyway. Anyway you catch it, you know, the flood was chaos. After a while they were aware that water meant fear. Jesus answered that problem and they were terrified. Mm -hmm. In the demoniac, Jesus heals the demoniac and the people that came from the town were terrified. What's going on here? Both times, both times, there is only in Matthew 2 and in Mark one person who was not terrified. One person was not terrified. Who was that person? Who got the faith? Who is the mustard seed? It's the demoniac. In Mark, it says that after this happened, this this demoniac says, "I want to, I want to go with you." He says, "Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you." In other words, go to the Decapolis. That's not home. That was ten cities, ten Gentile cities, ten cities, mm-hmm. and tell them. How good. And this guy was hated by every single one of them. He was well known as being a terrifying thing. And now, after Jesus and Mark anyway says, don't tell nobody. He has healed this demoniac. And he says, now you tell them. It's a complete change in the concept of believing. If you believe, tell your story. If you don't believe, if you're still terrified, don't tell nobody. You don't got the story yet. But if you believe as a mustard seed and you're ready to go with me and you're not going to bury your dad or go do all these other things, you have no excuse. You're ready to go. You know, no excuses. Then you believe. You you go back to your people and tell them because you're a believer. I believe in you. And Jesus sent him back to not just one city, but ten. It's interesting. And one of the other things, you know, if you back up to verse 27. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? You go down to verse 29. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? 
They answered the disciples' question. The, the demons did. And they knew that their demise was coming. They knew that there, one day they're going to be violently in, in, in outer darkness in hell forever. They know that. And uh, that's why they said, what a, you know, before, uh, before time. And uh, the other thing that I took out of this, that, and Spurgeon brought this out, uh, you know, the demons entered the, the pigs, the hogs, and the swine ran down the hill and killed themselves. Because even a hog had rather be dead than depraved. That's virgin. Even a hog had rather be dead than depraved. Uh, and so, um, this was going on. The demons probably entered those hogs for exactly the same reason that those folks come out of that city. They knew that Jesus was coming and he was going to offer salvation. And so by them wiping out the swine, you know, and there's a big argument about that. Why are there a herd of swine when Jews and Gentiles are together? So there was a lot going on there. Uh, there was a whole lot of getting by with each other. But anyway, once those hogs went out into the water and died, the city came out. And what did they do? They asked him to leave rather than to receive the blessing that he was bringing to that city. They denied their own selves the blessing of the Messiah walking through their town. Not only their town, but it says depart from our country. They wanted no part of it. They wanted no part of it. And, uh, and so, what did he do? He left their coast. He left their coast. And we don't have any record of him going back there again. Yeah, this was Gentile territory. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It, yeah. It, there is a, a story, it's not biblical, but there was a story later that this area, which was Gentile, and who knows what all impacted it, but it was a stronghold for Christianity for 300 years in the early in early centuries. 300 years, known, well known to be a stronghold for Christianity. And, uh, and, and you know, it's a community. Yeah, it's yeah. a side note, but yeah. one of the other things is the most high God yeah. in Mark. They said, son of the most high God. That was the position only reserved for the real son of God, Jesus. It didn't say it in Matthew, but the most son of the most high God. They're not... They're making it clear who that Jesus these demons is. know this is Jesus. Yeah. This is the Son of God, the only one and only Son yeah. of God, yeah. not sons of God that you hear in the Old Testament now and then with the little G, O V. And here it's unquestionably they know who He is. Right. 
And, and, and if you, there's a whole lot in this that you pick up. And, and I, I missed one while ago, and I'm going to back up and pick it up because I think it's very important. When he was talking to the centurion, and when he finished that and he made the statement that, you know, there's not one with greater faith, he said, Surely I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what he's telling Israel is just because a Gentile is racially impure in your eyes does not mean that they're going to be excluded from the kingdom of heaven. And just because you are the sons of the kingdom doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get in the kingdom of heaven. And he's talking about where there will be gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been in so much pain that you clench in your teeth constantly because the pain is so great? You know, I got ran over by a car when I was a kid. That explains a lot. When uh, I broke my arm. And I was just constantly biting my teeth and getting breath because it hurts so bad. Now was I was in the second grade, so a lot of that pain has, has left, but I remember that. I would squeeze my teeth so hard to, to take the focus off of this that it would go somewhere else. And it lasted until we got to the hospital at work, and then they, they did that, and everything was cool. There's not going to be a hospital in hell to go to. The gnashing of the teeth is going to be forever. There's going to be pain forever. And we forget that. Hell is not a place that's designed for human beings. And there's going to be humans there. There's going to be demons there. And Satan's going to be there eventually. So we need to put that in context. You know, uh, the Gentiles are going to get there. There's going to be people from every tongue and nation in heaven. Because all of us are made in the image of God. To, contra to kind of go chase a rabbit a little bit, to contradict what's going on in our society today, there's only one race. That's the human race. Any other form of calling some race worse than others is demonic in nature. It is from Satan. It's designed to, to, to play people against each other, to divide rather than unite. And critical race theology is demonic. Period. It comes from the bowels of hell. That's a fact. And you need to watch your children and your grandchildren that are in school because they're going to be indoctrinated into this and it is something that you're going to have to fight hard against because what it does is it makes one race inferior to all the others. 
simply by the fact that you are a certain color melanin in the skin. So, with that said, we'll move on <laughs> back to back to the uh, the possession of the, the the demons being cast out. They didn't want to go to their final judgment. They didn't. They wanted they wanted to do what they were designed to do: kill and destroy. That's what demons do. Our time has not come yet. Yes, exactly right. Their time hadn't they come knew. yet. They knew. They knew. Yeah. And yeah. so what did they do? They couldn't kill and destroy these two men because they had a will. The only thing that they could kill and destroy was those hogs. And the hogs, as unclean as they were, had rather die than live in depravity. Yeah, the, the clear application, mm -hmm. and I'm usually one that doesn't know what the application <laughs> is, but the clear application in here is, is all of this mm -hmm. um, that Jesus is explaining what to do, and He's showing them how to do it now, mm -hmm. and um, and have faith and belief, and uh, accept Jesus in your house. Bring Him in. The devil cannot reside when the Holy Spirit is inside you. That's right. It cannot, the house divided cannot stand, remember? Right. So if you have the Holy Spirit, if you accept Christ, you accept the belief in Jesus just a little bit, you can get a lot of things wrong in the Bible, but don't get Jesus wrong mm -hmm. and you can be saved. That's right. Begin on your journey yeah. on the straight and narrow through the narrow gate and there won't be demons in your life along the way. It's simple and it's joyful and believe me, it, 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 it is. It's very simple and the easiest way to state it is once you are saved, you cannot be possessed by a demon unless you invite him in. You can be oppressed but not possessed because darkness can't reside where there's light. Evil can't reside where there is pure heart. Any questions? Any comments? We got about eight or nine minutes. We've got time. Go ahead. I find it interesting. It says there met him two possessed with devils. Now, I don't mm -hmm. say how many devils there were. Right. There's plural. But you know, later on it says that the devils besought Jesus that they may go into the herd. Right. Swine. So you got two men. That was presented. They may go into a whole herd. Right. I wonder what the scenario between two men and a whole herd is why not just two swine. I don't know how many there had to be a, a lot. The and the other thing is is if have you ever seen pigs, how they act in a group? They have one that's the leader, or one little pig take off running, what do they do? They all fall. Have you ever watched the wild hawks when they're getting rounded up or trying to get run out of a cornfield? One's in the front and the rest of them is following. <laughs> you know, uh, and if one pig takes off running, they all take off running. Uh, there was two men, but they could be possessed by more than one. Absolutely, and, and, and that, I'm not saying they're not. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how many. The Bible doesn't tell us how many are in there, but I'm sure there was multiple. Um, and you know when 
the other Gospels have only mentioned one, it might have been the reason they only mentioned one was because he was the most severe. You know, I, I, I'm just, I don't know. And, but Matthew tells us there was two. And, and the whole herd, he doesn't tell us how big the herd is. But the whole herd ran down, ran down the hill and off the cliff into the ocean, killed itself. Yeah, um, so the picture in eight through the whole thing of eight is you're already dead. You're already in need of healing. And the only way you're going to find healing is through Jesus Christ. And the Messiah. Into your house. Yeah, invite him into your house. Exactly. Your your heart. Uh, you know, the, the Bible tells us that our bodies are a temple. The Holy Spirit resides in our heart. Um, so, any other questions? Any other comments? I've still got some questions, but anyway. I enjoyed this. It was... Yeah. Uh, it, it, and eight is like you say. It's it's uh, it, it's all of these things now that Jesus is beginning to deal with after he's done the beatitudes and done the sayings, and then some of the sayings here too. But he's beginning to do those things, right. and and uh, as we go forward, there's a few more. It's chapter nine, and then ten. He turns it around and he says, you disciples who have sat here on this mountain with me and learned all these things and now seeing how I've done them, you go out and do them. I find that, my, that's my question. What, how does that work? Well, notice, the, you know, one of the things you'll notice in eight is that every one of the things that we see here were handled differently. In a different manner, and so there's not just, and that confuses people. You know, uh, you know, some people respond well when they see something miraculous. They are they they respond to the power of the miraculous. Men typically do that, um, and then others are afraid of the power of the miraculous, and so they disassociate with it. And you find that same thing when we see Jesus healing people today. You know, uh, so uh, nothing's changed from his time till today. Uh, and I think you can go back to Solomon that nothing new under the sun. Uh, just wrapped up in a different wrapper. Any other questions? Any other comments? Well, if not, uh, you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, sure. Father in heaven, we just love you. We thank you for opening up these scriptures to us and uh, giving us um, just uh, inspired understanding of your word. And we thank you for uh, the freedom that we have in this country just to gather around, listen, and hear uh, the scriptures and be inspired and be encouraged to go out and continue our life in your footprints, steps, and, and to follow you 
And so we thank you for all that you do. And we ask um, that those that we have on our prayer list and all those folks that are hurting unspoken um, concerns, prayer concerns as well, that we lift them up to you and that you will um, be with those folks that are lonely and those folks that are in need. And we ask for a great revival in this country to your Christian principles and to be followers of you. We thank you, we praise you, and all these things we ask all of this through Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.